G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's spend a few minutes talking about how we approach the challenges of caring for those of our family who are growing old. Aged care has been a major focus this year with the release of the government's final report into the Aged Care Royal Commission. And while we find it easy to point fingers of blame at governments or even at aged care providers, it's not nearly so comfortable to think about our own responsibilities to our own ageing family members. Sharon Blackburn has held a number of executive leadership roles within profit, charity, housing and not-for-profit organisations. And Sharon Blackburn is Executive Director at Ballycara, previously known as Hibernian Queensland Friendly Society, about 150 year history as a care provider. Sharon, a special welcome along to 2020. Hello Neil, it's lovely to join you, thank you. Sharon, good having a conversation like this in light of the government's report from the Royal Commission, but also in the timing that we are in now, the numbers of ageing Australians, it's growing quite dramatically, isn't it? Yes it is Neil, it's actually something to be celebrated, I think Um, One thing is for certain, once we're all born, we immediately start ageing. And um, currently in Australia, we have 4.1 million people over the age of 65. And that's expected to grow to 8.8 million by 2057. And I think that's cause for celebration. However, from a societal perspective, we often think of ageing in very negative terms rather than something that is positive to be considered. Uh, Most older people age well. um, And for the few that don't and that do develop health conditions um, and uh, need support and assistance, obviously we need to make sure that the, the right level of care is available to meet their assessed needs. Well, it was a dreadful report card that came back from the Royal Commission, our aged care community. But as you say, as things are expected to double in our ageing population over the coming 30 years, probably a good thing right now to get things in place so that the future can look brighter. Is that the way you could look in a bright side of some of the scathing things that came from the Royal Commission? I think it's always disappointing. And for those of us who work in aged care, it's really um, heartbreaking to to read of people's poor experiences and to think that they've experienced those negative things. But I also know that um, whilst those people need to have a voice and to be heard, and we need to do our utmost to eradicate poor care and poor practices, Actually, there's a lot to celebrate because there is good care taking place every day. And to underpin, to make sure that we get more good services for people, which they rightly deserve. There's some really easy things, I think, that we can take. And I say they're easy because I think, actually, the government, um, to be political, they've had uh, 
20 different inquiries over 20 years. And so uh, having this report from the Royal Commission actually needs to be heard, needs to be acted upon. And I think there's some things we can do about taking a human rights approach and valuing older people. And that's a societal um, responsibility, but it's also one that the government has a responsibility to turn into reality. I think there's something about our workforce. I think in terms of making sure people have the right training, that we have the right numbers of people doing the right thing in the right way at the right time. Um, and I think we also, you, you mentioned earlier something about all of our individual responsibilities. I think there's something about being courageous and bold about the way we think about ageing um, and to reframe our thinking from a negative into that positive um, way of thinking and behaving. So not just uh, saying what we, we want to happen or doing it, but actually walking the talk. We're all in this together, and it's not just government and aged care situations, uh, those organisations running aged care, but it's also the families of those who are the clients or the patients of aged care. I wanted to touch on something here, Sharon, because the fact is that most aged care in Australia is in fact Christian-run. And so when we get a dreadful report on some of the activities in aged care institutions around Australia, we might be embarrassed about those things. But the very fact that there is a Christian foundation to aged care providers in such a scale as we have in Australia means there's wonderful room for reform, isn't there, according to Christian values, which really do put that care and value upon older Australians. Yes, there is. I think, you know, I've already said that um, whether you're a for-profit or a not-for-profit, and as you've rightly said, most not-for-profits are a faith-based organisation. We're all subject to the same rules and regulations. Uh, the same amount of, of government funding is there. But underpinning uh, the faith-based organisations is their belief in humanity. It is a, about putting the person first. It is about um, living our lives in a way that honours God and um, demonstrates that faith um, in action. It isn't just about words. It is about putting it into action. And, and many would say, well, what about if you're not a faith-based organisation? Aren't you supposed to um, do that anyway? And I would say, yes, you are. But actually, I think there's an expectation um, on all providers, but particularly on faith those that profess to have a faith and come from those origins to really demonstrate that. And, and we all need to be accountable for our practice. We all need to be accountable for our words. But I think from the public's perspective, when they enter particularly an aged care facility or they use aged care services, um, that if there is that faith base, they want to have that confidence um, from that organisation. Um, to deliver on what they say, what they will do. Sharon, you were awarded a wonderful award back in the UK. People will notice your English accent. Uh, the award of a CBE uh, for services to nursing and the not-for-profit sector. I wonder if you've got a broad brush stroke as to what it is that makes a happy and healthy experience in ageing. Is that a question you can answer easily? 
I don't know about answering it easily, and, and thank you for making that connection back to the UK. I think there's, at Balikara, we are uh, providers of aged care services, but we really focus on, on people's well-being. Uh, we utilise our SAUNA philosophy, and SAUNA is Gaelic for happiness. So it makes, uh, it makes it very easy to make that link across to a healthy and happy experience in ageing and to have a healthy and happy living. We want to help each person be the best version of themselves. And that means enabling each person to be seen, to be heard, to be included and to be connected. And by taking a well-being approach to, um, to each person, enables us to see them in a holistic way. It isn't just about well-being being physical health, but it is about that spiritual health, their social well-being, their mental well-being, um, and actually getting to know them as a person. And I think that is, it's actually saying what matters to you matters to us. It isn't about doing unto, it's about working with and that co-creation of helping people achieve the outcomes that are meaningful to them. What 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 denotes healthy and happy living will differ for each other for each of us. So I think we have to understand the person and build that relationship in order to define that on their terms and not just what we think it is. In a Christian aged care provider, and you're an interesting mix here because your background is evangelical Christian, but as mm-hmm. we talk about Ballycara, it's got that foundation uh, from Catholic Health Australia. But when we talk about a spiritual approach, uh, the care for the elderly, a lot of older people have particular spiritual focus. How do you effectively apply a spiritual care for people who are ageing? I think it's understanding and valuing their belief and how they want to express that belief. I think it's partnering with them. It's understanding how that has changed over the years, how they express that. And for some people, it can be quite contemplative. For others, it's about attending services. For others, it's about having a companion and pastoral support coming in. Here at Ballycara, we do have a a chapel on site. We have a pastoral Uh, support going into our aged care facility but it's also helping people connect with the community so if people wanted to go externally to um, a church service that that and a community that they belong to um, it's also seeing how we can facilitate and enable that to happen Um, I think it's about being non-judgmental because even if people don't have a professed faith it doesn't mean they're not a spiritual being and understanding how we help them fulfill that component um, is really important too. And not shying away from being able to uh, pray with people, to read scriptures together, to help them read and access material um, that, is, that is meaningful. There's another way as well. We have a, a creative and engagement therapist here uh, whose background is in art therapy. And we find that creative arts... Um, not just actually in the physical painting, but also in music and in other creative outlets. That helps people um, achieve um, that spiritual outlet and that connection to God. Um, And they're facilitated to do that, so we walk that path with them. 
No doubt there are all sorts of reforms that have begun right across the aged care sector and uh, there are no doubt uh, high expectations of what has been delivered in the federal budget for this year. But let me come back to people who are responsible for choosing an aged care home for their ageing parents and that would be people in their middle years. Mm -hmm. Do you think they are as discerning as they perhaps could be? And if you've got choice between a Christian provider and a non-Christian provider, how do you make a decision to move towards a Christian provider? Is there real advantage there? I'd like to think there's an advantage, but I think in reality, um, some people, depending on where they're geographically located, may not have the same access and choice to provision in an area that um, another geographical location would have. I think it's really difficult for family members um, to help their elder parents or their older loved ones to make that choice because it's a discussion that doesn't normally take place at home. And so one thing I would encourage listeners to do, it's never too late to have what may be considered a difficult conversation with um, older relatives, older loved ones, for whom you may have a role in, at some point in their life, um, helping them access um, the services. Obviously, it's important, like you do with any... um, New, new venture, uh, new when you do a house move, when you uh, make important decisions in life, you need to look at the choices available and you need to visit and you need to experience and, and touch and feel um, because it is such a, a major decision. You know, I always say to people, when you move into a care home, you're, it's, it's more than moving house. Um, But that's what you're doing. So the same services that you should be able to access should accompany you. So all those extended healthcare services, you're moving home. But actually you're going to not just move home, you're moving into a community. And it's a community of people where you may know some people, but for for many it's moving into a community uh, where they don't know people. So there's an opportunity to make new friendships and new relationships. So understanding how... The facility operates, what it has to offer, how it will meet not just your physical care needs, but also that mental well-being, that social outlet, how you want to live your life, how that will be enabled, how they will partner with you, is a conversation that people need to start earlier. There is information available in the sector, but the, the system is difficult, as it is at the moment, to navigate. So starting earlier having key conversations, not putting it in the too difficult box is certainly one that I would encourage uh, families to have and not shy away from, interestingly, older people themselves are quite happy often to have that conversation. It is their sons, daughters, nephews, nieces that sometimes find it a a bit more difficult to broach. But I think just, just, just be brave and be courageous. And you remind us that we're all a part of the lives of our ageing parents and their well-being mm-hmm. depends on not only partnership between government and the aged care provider, but also the families, how we are involved in the lives of our ageing parents. Sharon Blackburn, Executive Director of Ballycara. And uh, to find out more detail about Ballycara, there is a website, ballycara.com, B-A-L-L-Y-C-A-R-A.com. Sharon, thanks so much for your 
insights today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been a pleasure to join you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.